On this episode, we discuss the comedian. What's the deal with airline food? Am I right? Welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, what's going on, Dan? I'm Stuart Wellington. Hey, Dan and Stu. I'm Elliot Kalen. And hey, get this. Get I didn't this. see you over there, Elliot. Get this. Hey, you you talking to me? Uh, Who am I? Who am I? You talking to me? Hey, yeah. I'm a young Don you're Corleone. My, you're my friend Elliot. No, no. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Okay. No, I'm the fan. <laughs> you're my friend Elliot, who I've known for no. like a decade. Who am I? Who am I? Hey more. guys, bang the drum slowly. <laughs> okay. I don't. It was one of his first breakout roles. Okay, really? how about the? Okay, uh, okay, uh, who, who am I? Who am I? Okay, you're a Bronx Dale. Okay, oh yeah, uh, Heat. <laughs> okay, you feeling hot? Okay, uh, wait, who am I? The last tycoon. Buster Poindexter. No. Uh, okay, Stuart, you guess. Okay, who am I? Uh, the last I hey, I'm meeting my new son-in-law. I'm the parent. <laughs> and he's meeting know. me. Uh, and now I'm going to meet the fuckers. Ride, but I think I got to the destination. <laughs> okay, so who am I? You're, you're Bobby D, Robert De Niro. That's right. Thanks for picking up the slack. Dan, Are you? do you know what impressions are? Uh, I was doing some pretty spot-on Robert De Niro impressions. The impressionists were a group of French artists, mostly, who <sighs> used... Uh, Globs of painting. <laughs> Globs of <laughs> painting? <laughs> Globs of painting <laughs> to make their paintings. <laughs> and, uh, oh boy. Can I take your history of Western art course, Dan? <laughs> sure. It's mostly uh, old playboys. <laughs> <laughs> Students, uh, please turn to uh, the turn-ons and turn-offs of May 1974. Mm-hmm. Let me direct your attention to... National Lampoon Magazine, the magazine that proved you can have a boner and laugh at the same time. <laughs> now, Dan, I really want to see you teaching, uh, lecturing about Playboy, and you're like, as uh, we can see here, these models are truly as the cover promises, wet and wild. <laughs> Turning to the next example. Now, whether or not these models have a college degree, as is suggested by the girls of the Southern colleges designation. Girls of the Southern colleges. Girls of the Southern colleges. I mean, they're still in school at this point, right? That's part of the attraction. I guess so. So I, they don't have a degree at all, Dan. Yeah. All right. Well, what if they're in their school for their graduate? Wait, that's degree, part though. of. Oh, yeah, maybe they're graduates. You're yeah. saying that part of the attraction is that they're working for their. Uh, yeah, education. I like their get up and go spirit. But yeah, yeah, I like it's part of what part of what's sexy about them is that they're not yet these kind of like conformist, fully formed like uh, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep boop. boop. I am a I have just a worker and I have my career. No, try my brand of fancy vodka. They're they're <laughs> they're not Svenka robots. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, they're at this point in their lives when like the future is ahead of them. They can take any path, and they're mm-hmm. learning about the great thinkers and thoughts of Western and Eastern civilization, frankly. Dan, why should it just be this Eurocentric, uh, you know, crisis of the West type syllabus when there's so much thought coming out of, say, China or the African nations, that India, 
that they could easily find to open their minds Look, and open their lives so that when they take off their clothes in front of a photographer for it to be airbrushed later for the profiteering of an old man who takes pills so that he can have sex with four blonde women who are not enjoying themselves at once in a smelly, rundown old house. What? Why? That they won't mean something. I'm not arguing against this. Uh, if a model wants to subscribe to the Taoist principle of the uncarved block, I say, great, go but, for but it. You're saying you want to carve that block. Okay. We're, we've been gross. This has been a gross way to start this episode. Yeah, guys, uh, let me just throw a flag on this play. This is officially a no bozo zone. <laughs> no, oh, no, no, no bozos. So we were being bozos before. Now it's a no bozo zone. I apologize for our bozosity. It's okay. Dan, what do we do on this podcast aside from being bozos and then feel bad about our bozoness? Uh, it's a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Uh-huh. And tonight we watched a movie that made me angry. Not hangry. Nope. I had a nice you had meal. A nice, yeah, it didn't take your food away. But <laughs> <laughs> the movie didn't reach out into the physical world and steal your food like some kind of stay tuned. The anger <laughs> remained, however. Yeah, the anger was there, yeah. And mm-hmm. we watched a, we watched a movie called The Comedian. Mm-hmm. Sorry. This is the movie in which which manages to reunite Robert De Niro with both his Mean Streets co-star Harvey Keitel and has analyzed this co-star Billy Crystal uh, and you know, uh, let me achieve just jump in here, guys. none of what either of those movies tries to do. If you're listening to this podcast and you saw the title of the episode and you're like, The Comedian, huh? This must be like one of those WTF with Mark Maron episodes. It is not. This is a movie starring Robert De Niro. Except, Dan, you were going to talk about your cat and some out-of-town shows you played for about mm-hmm. 10 minutes, right? Yeah, and... Right uh, and just like some general like grousing and like then ta- talk ta- about my therapy. Tell us about stamps.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me just press the 15 second skip forward button a hundred okay. times so I can get through it. And we're clear. And we're done. Great. Okay. Now we're into your extremely interesting interview with uh, Stevie Van Sant. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, wow. Little Stevie. <laughs> yeah. So what was it like making The Sopranos? You weren't, you didn't train as an actor. I mean, that's Ooh, nuts. Uh, Wait a no, second. No. Hold no. on. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> so The Comedian is, uh, what kind of movie would you say this is? A comedy? I call it a dramedy. Because the title makes me think it's going to be <clears throat> a comedy. I would say it's serial comic. Well, it's full of cereal? <laughs> yeah. It's a serial comic. Like. Uh, you know, the Cocoa Puffs guy. <laughs> really funny. <laughs> Super funny guy. Have you seen his uh, his Showtime special? Yeah. He's yeah, it's the it's, it's inside the cuckoo mind of the Cocoa Puffs guy. <laughs> inside the cuckoo mind. <laughs> That's the bird fellow, right? Yeah, he's the bird fellow. I think you could just What's say the bird. Association? <laughs> I mean, do you think there's some kind of okay, get this guy. Birds love chocolate. Get this oh, guys. Yeah. Uh, they don't get this, guys. <laughs> uh, maybe they do. I don't know. It, there's okay. There's a club for bird comedians. Toucan Sam hangs out there. The Cocoa Puffs Cuckoo, and it's called the Flyers Club. Mm. Shit, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we can just shut it down now. Yeah, uh, I think we achieved our our work on this earthly plane. Yeah, Lord, take us. Mm. Yeah, oh. Lord, take all my earthly possessions so I can dedicate the rest of my life to building the Flyers Club. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the comedian uh, is <sighs> an attempt at yeah. a comedy, but it's got some dramatic elements. And the mm-hmm. why did we? The reason this movie seemed irresistible to us, <laughs> we have to give a tip of the hat to one Nathan Raven. Yeah, one N. Raven, who wrote about it on his website. Last name with hell. <laughs> and uh, even his description of it. 
in many ways failed to prepare me for the movie that we were about to see and how what a meandering piece of unfunny work it is. Oh, oh what an it's unfunny piece of work is, man. <laughs> how ignoble in reason. I don't know how it goes. Luckily, it's only an hour. <laughs> I just gave. I bailed on that one. Uh, I'm sorry for talking over you, Dan. No, I've no, had no. a rough day, you know. You like, should, yeah, tell I us just, about your I bed. I just moved apartments, <laughs> and I spent most of the day like putting up blinds and uh, hanging some drapes. And I just, I just <laughs> a lot of window fittings. <laughs> yeah. The windows are taken care of. The rest say, of the apartment is a I mess. Say though, guys. Well, he lives in the Peeping Tom district. So. <laughs> <laughs> like when I picked up that uh, that power drill and I wrapped my fingies around it, and I'm uh-huh. just like, more power. Am I right? And yeah. then, and then, what did you? Gr- <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know if that's how it goes. <laughs> that's phrase, right? Yeah. <laughs> ooh, ee, ooh, uh, uh. <laughs> that's how Jim Allen's catchphrase goes. <laughs> Let's talk about The Comedian, a movie that stars Robert De Niro as the titular comedian. Sure. And now this is – here's something I want to get off the off of my chest right away. Yeah. It's a spider. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's on me now. Here's something I want to get off my chest right away. I love comedy. I love stand-up comedy. Yeah. I think there may be few things I find less entertaining in a movie than scenes of people performing stand-up comedy. Wait, what? you don't mean, you don't like it when they – run through a montage of stand-ups doing three seconds of material uh, to wild applause from the audience <laughs> to, and to orgasmic <laughs> response. I think, it's, I think maybe that's it, is that uh, you just get a snippet of a joke, not even a whole joke a lot of the time, and then they cut to uh, an audience response that is rarely connected to what you've just seen in uh, the movie we watched Mother's Day a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. There was a similar thing where people were performing stand-up comedy and the audience would just be, I guess the director just told them like, laugh big. This is the funniest thing you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And they're like, ha, 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 to every joke. Not every joke is meant to elicit <laughs> like that kind of laugh. It's like you're in Cape Fear trying to annoy. <laughs> <laughs> Another Robert De Niro movie. Look, I just like to imagine what would Burl Ives sound like if he yeah. thought something was really funny. And he was also Santa. So can you think of a movie? A good way has... to get another Robert De Niro movie in there. Let's Thank, see if we can get some thanks, more buddy. in here. Okay. I know, Dan, you have something on the tip of your tongue. What is a movie with a great stand-up uh, performance in it? Uh, Don't say Eddie Murphy Delirious, because that's a whole stand-up movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there was that movie uh, uh-huh. Chucklers. And I think you're making that one. Up. Okay. Laffy Taffy. Nope, that's a candy. <laughs> and, uh, what was that movie where Julie Kavner became a stand up comic? Jokesies. Oh, I like, I like the. Uh, Dan like, Aykroyd's in it too, I think. I like no, these, I don't know that one. I think I like, remember liking the stand up bits in Obvious Child. Okay, I'll give you that. I feel like in Obvious Child, those stand up scenes feel like you're actually watching a stand up act. Yeah, and it also feels kind of, if I remember correctly, it feels like it was tied to. The events of the film. Yes. Uh, it felt a little more organic. And also, uh, they kind of, I think, have the laughs underplay a little bit. Like, genuinely funny jokes get kind of a little bit of a response, mm-hmm. which I'll totally accept much more than a movie. I'd much rather the movie air in that direction. Yeah. You'll allow it. Because in this movie, Robert De Niro plays a comedian who is not funny at all. But if you were a member of any of the audiences in the movie, you are watching... It's kind of like a roast comedian, right? Yeah, he's like kind of a filthy, just kind of like complains about everything. Yeah, roasty. Uh, like. But like, it's not like he's doing like storytelling or slice of life. It's always like, 
Talking about being old and having your balls dragging along the ground and shit. Yeah, it's not even like observational. It's like, let me tell you, marriage. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. Hope you like getting fucked or some kind of stupid thing. Like, <laughs> wow. There's great. one funny joke in the whole movie in, in terms of stand of act. Stuart was out of the room when it happened, and Dan and I both laughed at it, where uh, Robert De Niro, and this will not make sense in context either, is uh, he's at his brother Danny DeVito's daughter's wedding. His daughter is a lesbian, and she's getting married in an incredibly over-the-top lavish Jewish wedding. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess it's not incredibly over-the-top lavish, but yeah. it's just like everything's super glossy, but it's at one of those like a big Brooklyn Queens wedding halls. Yeah. And uh, it's like the Grand Prospect Hall. A lot of They're making their dreams come true. Similar places. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the it's an event hall. And uh he's gets up to the and his niece who loves his comedy says like you got to go up there. His name's Jackie Burke. Jackie, you got to go up there and talk. And he goes up and starts doing his act and he's sitting between he's standing between these two enormous chairs that the bride and bride were sitting in mm -hmm. and he just kind of <laughs> goes like these chairs aren't big enough. And that was <laughs> by far the funniest joke in the whole movie. Uh, but anyway. It was, you know what? It was funny because it was true. It was so, it was very, it was, I mean, it was not. Those were very big chairs. <laughs> it was the only time in the movie you felt like a comedian was observing a real thing that was absurd and commenting on it in a yeah. way that was not like. We all understand what big chairs are like. Yeah. And commenting on it in a way that it was not over the top like. Uh, 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 like, anyway. Elliot, you're gesturing a lot, and it's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> and, and the audience can't see it anyway, I realized, halfway through my gesture. Uh, but let's talk about the plot. So, Robert De Niro plays... Do we have to? We have to, still. Oh! Oh, yeah, that's the kind of joke they do in the movie. Uh, plays Jackie Burke, an aging comedian. He's Robert De Niro. He's not playing a young, up-and-coming comedian. The yeah. man's in his 70s, I think. Uh, maybe just his late 60s. Dan, how old is Robert De Niro? Just guess off the top of your head. Uh, 412. I mean, he's... Probably, probably yeah. He's fucking cut, though, right? Like, he's in good shape. In, well, he actually is in pretty I mean, good shape like for his He's, like, popping up and down, like, I wish I could do that No, now. no, no. I mean, he's energetic, but he has a paunch. Like, he's not... No, but he's, he's in got good a paunch, shape, but like, for his age, he's, yeah, he's, he's like, not He's doing nimble, bad. dude. No, he is nimble. That's true. I want, he once, he uh, jumped, was, jumped over a candlestick. Is that where you're going with that? Yes, that's exactly where <laughs> I was going, Dan. <laughs> so thanks for rec... Thanks a Sorry. lot for stealing my Jack B. Nimble joke. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie B. Nimble. Jack, he plays Jackie B. Nimble, a comedian whose big act involves being quick and jumping over a candlestick. <laughs> and he's Matt. He has a rivalry with with fellow kid nursery round comedian Jackie Horner, who sits in a corner <laughs> eating a pudding and pie. He puts in his thumb and pulls out a plum, and his punchline he says, "What a good boy am I?" The audiences eat it up just like he eats now, up that plum. Jack Spratt. He has a dual uh, duo. It's a comedy duo. Yeah. Yeah. One of them. Get this. Is super fat. No, and he can, and she can eat no lean. Uh oh, okay. <laughs> but Jack, yeah. he's super thin. Okay, mm -hmm. and, what can and he, he can eat? eat no fat. Oh, that's pretty. But good. between the two of them, get this. <laughs> They look the platter clean. <laughs> wow. Well, there's also this trapeze act. Uh, sis, brother and sister, Jack and Jill, they mm -hmm. go up a hill. The story is they're fetching a pail of water. Then Jack falls down. It's a tumbling duo. And Jill follows after. Crowns are broken. Mm. Hearts sore. <laughs> and funny bones are tickled. <laughs> yeah, is this all one show? <laughs> yeah, it's a huge show. It was a, it was a benefit for Mr. Kite, I believe. <laughs> You'd be surprised at the things Little Miss Muffet can do with her toughness, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that's more of a like uh, that's an after dark that's the kind of show that that's sailors a... go to on shore leave in Havana <laughs> uh, anyway he's Jackie Burke he's an aging comedian who in the 80s 
played a kind of like Al Bundy type, like not PC dad. Yeah. Uh, on a show called Eddie's Home. It looked like maybe it was like, yeah, it was either, uh, yeah, a fuck. What married with children, or it was like a Norman Lear style comedy. It looked like they were trying to have it kind of both ways. Yeah, but mm-hmm. uh, I mean, married with children. I mean, Al Bundy is essentially uh, uh, now I can't remember Carol Connor in in All the Family. That's what's true. His, what's his character's name? With less no, but uh, what's his character's name? Uh, Archie Bunker. Thank you. He's a, oh, that's who you named your cat after. So anyway, no, no, because no. you agreed with his politics. No, he's essentially like a non politically relevant Archie Bunker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I mean, like grosser. A much grosser. I mean, they could get away with more. He's flushing Super toilets, gross, and sticking his right? hand in his no pants. No it up. He's always no ma'am in it. Founding the Church of No Ma'am. Now, one of the things that bugs bugs me and my this wife better be about married bunny. with children. My wife and I talk about <laughs> this bunny. I'm just trying to kill him with my rifle, and he's bugging me. Uh, but Luckily, sometimes this duck comes along and convinces me to shoot him in the face. In the, in the first season of Married with Children, Kelly Bundy was just a slut. Okay, but in the second season, I don't like the terminology. But, but like that's how they like. I mean, sure. that's, that's obviously shorthand. They, they yeah, it stands for being, sexually libidinous, underwhelming talent. <laughs> but, wow, but in the, which was, is strange because she's actually very talented. It is very talented. In the second season and onward, they made her dumb. They made she got like she wasn't dumb at first, which is like well, it's like a lot of. I mean, it is. A it, like, it took at least some of the onus away from her like if she was she doesn't know any better <laughs> that was the kind of the thing they were doing she's like a character out of like a, a playboy cartoon or uh who's just kind of falling into bed and de- is constantly being tricked by horny old men she doesn't know any better or out of That's a, a plot. ribald henry happens. fielding novel <laughs> <laughs> thanks for classing it up dan <laughs> but it's also something that happens in sitcoms where the characters kind of get dumber over time like homer simpson at this point i don't know how he can breathe <laughs> and you look even at like a show like uh, Arrested Development, the characters got pretty dumb in the fourth season. Like Archer, the show, the characters got fairly dumb as the as the show went on. Like the characters can never grow, or the sit or the show ends. So they just got, but you have to justify them not changing after years of the same problems. So they get stupider over time. Yeah, unless it's a show like Night Court, which just continues to be perfect from episode one <laughs> to episode one hundred. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, a multifaceted jewel. (laughs) (laughs) It's truly the Eugene O'Neill of sitcoms. Uh, Anyway, because he wrote a couple episodes. Yeah. Uh, So, Jackie Burke. He was on this show, Eddie's Home. Is he Ed O'Neill, star of Married with Children? Uh, Eugene O'Neill? Yeah. Uh, Probably not. (laughs) But you never know, possibly. They're both real O'Neills. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, And so... It's hard for him to get out of the shadow of this character. He's struggling, and his manager, Edie Falco, who's the daughter of his original manager, and now the daughter passed. of a falcon. <laughs> Sorry, come on. Uh, her dad was recording star Falco, yeah, uh-huh. who did the song Rock Me Amadeus. Yeah, Austria's shining sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. I, I remember when, he, when he died, and the king of Austria said, the sun has set on our fair duchy. Mm-hmm. And then Austria blacked out the sun over their entire oh, no nation. Kidding. Yeah, they put a <laughs> With, huge tarp over yeah, it. Yeah, they squirted Mozart Kugel up into the sky <laughs> and blacked out the sun. And that's sun. what inspired the song Black Hole Sun. Oh, I thought oh, you were going to say that's what inspired the song Pass the Duchy on the left-hand side. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, <laughs> I've been tuned out for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> you heard the word Duchy and I... Mm-hmm. Sure. Anyway, 
Jackie Burke, we're three seconds into this movie. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Jackie Burke is not very successful these days, but he gets a, he, a, a misfortune turns into fortune when, while he's performing at a very underattended oldies show After at an Outer Boroughs really comedy club. Credits. Oh, there's tons of jazz in this movie, too. Hey, you know what makes me think about New York in the 21st century? And comedy. And comedy? Jazz. Because you know who's the only comedian ever in history? Woody Allen. And so every comedian is just like him, and they all love jazz, and they're all old in New York. Right, yeah, A bunch Dan? of real jazz bows, which I guess is what jazz is short for. What? I don't know. I just made that, that is up. Is that racist? That I don't sounds know. sounds vaguely racist. It sounds racist, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Now I feel bad about saying it, but it was just a bunch of gibberish that I came up with. Sure it was, Dan. Yeah, gibberish hurts. Gibberish does hurt. Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, I think that's the fucking summary of this dumb podcast. While movie. he's let me get through the first scene of the movie, while he is, uh, I guess the first scene is him just being on the way to this this mm-hmm. show. Uh, while he's performing, a guy in the audience starts heckling him. It turns out he and his wife have snuck in their own camera, and they are pro- pro- recording a video podcast called stand-up takedown, where they just go and heckle stand-up comedians, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem sustainable. You'd feel like word would pass around the New York stand-up community that these jerks are going around ruining acts and then putting the video up online. At least it would be mentioned on, like, Split Cider, you know, or something like that. Yeah, everyone's favorite comedy rag. And uh, but and Jackie does not like this. He goes deep into the crowd, gets into a physical scuffle with this man over the control of the microphone, and hits the man in the face of the microphone to the point that blood is pouring out of the man's orifices. This is when he's performing that old-timers night where, for some inexplicable reason, there's a large bachelorette party. Yes, because that's what you find in comedy clubs. Uh, and it appears to be on a weeknight as well. Now, I haven't... And it's I, raining. Yeah, I haven't I haven't tread the boards, guys, as a stand-up. But I would imagine that the club <laughs> would be somewhat responsible for... Providing some level of security to prevent people from videotaping, like, a stand-up takedown? Uh, I would think so. I would think that they would not. I mean, it is a real problem for a lot of stand-ups that people go in and try to record the acts with their phones. I've never heard of anyone recording a show where they're a heckler of real stand-up acts. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's one of those things where the solution doesn't exist until the problem exists. Look, they didn't have us take off our shoes before we got on planes before someone tried to blow up a, sh- a plane with a shoe, it was after. Now that we're all aware of stand-up takedown, finally we can do something about it. Yeah. Dan, what's your strategy? What's your, what's your solution? Solution to stand-up takedown? Yes, mm-hmm. it's ravaging the stand-up community. Full strip searches. Like 100%. Well, Dan, same solution to every problem. <laughs> That's uh, funny, Dan, Dan what, what do you say about the unfair consequences of globalization? It's... Hitting the country's hardest that need help the most. Mm, probably full strip searches. <laughs> uh, Stuart, what were you going to say? I was going to say, during the movie, I remember Dan just complaining that, uh, you know, hardworking stand-up comedians can't play college campuses anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, Dan, you said something about PC culture being out of control. <laughs> I don't like you guys anymore. Uh, this movie is... And when we told you that wasn't cool, you said told us to cut it out, which is just stealing Dave Coulier's bit. <laughs> You say that, but uh, this uh, a lot of Jackie's uh, personality is that guy. That guy is like, oh, I can't make these jokes anymore. 
Like everyone is too sensitive these days. Except like that's his, he exists in a world where everyone loves. Those also, jokes. they find it hilarious. They all well, find it hilarious. Yeah, Mostly it's raw as hell, dude. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. real. It's real. He's speaking truth he just to power. Fucking sets flame all over the place, bro. <laughs> He's burning the system down. Uh, Jackie has to go to court, and he when he refuses to apologize to the guy that he hit. Uh, for ruining his act, he's sent to 30 days in jail. Those 30 days pass pretty fast. Within yeah. a cut, he's out of jail. We get a couple of shots of dudes' butts. Yeah, taking a shower in a cell, which seemed weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they uh, And soon he's out of jail. His manager picks him up, and he's very mad at her. Uh, and he has to do community service. But before that, he goes to a little deli run by his brother, Danny DeVito, and his brother's wife, uh, Patty Lapone. Mm-hmm. And Patty Pone does not like him. And the viewer can sympathize because he, he's so far, likeable. incredibly unlikable. And does he ever do anything in the movie to make us like him, Jan? Uh, he eventually is nice to a child. Okay, that's fair, eventually. Now, there's another parallel. He asks for money for Danny, from Danny DeVito. He's having a hard time getting work. At the same time, we are introduced to a new character in a different scene. So not at the same exact time, but it's the mm-hmm. same movie. Played by Leslie Mann. <laughs> Thanks for specifying. It's in the same movie. <laughs> um, Leslie Mann is a young lady whose life has gone on the wrong tracks. She's had her own infractions. It with all the law. started when she was born out of the wiener of Harvey Keitel. <laughs> Harvey Keitel plays her dad, who is seems to be very wealthy, but uh, not quite. I guess he's a gangster or something. I couldn't quite tell what he did. Was he a bookie? Was he a gambler? He was a model of. Uh, <clears throat> Purple ties on black shirts. That's what he did for his living. Sounds about right. They don't have a great relationship, and he thinks that she's made a mess of her life. Apparently, her boyfriend dumped her. He caught her, caught her. She caught him in bed with another woman, and so she threw things at them and hurt both of them. And so now she does community service, too. But, and so That sounds like one of those fake crimes that you want to invent where you're like, I want to get – I want to – Say somebody committed a crime, but they did it for all the right reasons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, they, they, maybe they got – it's – they, they did something wrong, but wouldn't you have done the same thing this in that This guy sitch? was in jail because he robbed a bank, but it was because the bank was full of starving puppies that needed to be rescued. <laughs> this guy stole a loaf of bread to feed his family, and his name? Uh, Jean Valjean. Mm-hmm, and it's to me, Javert, to catch him. <laughs> have you seen him? <laughs> no. Uh, it's been like years, and I've not uh, caught this dude. No, it's, he's definitely not me in a mustache. Because you look so much beard. like him, and I just thought you might be Jean Valjean. Are you sure? No, that's like, another guy. Back at the Paris police station, we have this board up where we have the crimes we haven't solved in red and the crimes we have solved in black. Mm-hmm. And like my board just has this one name, Jean Valjean in red. They won't even let me pick up other crimes until I solve this one. And it's like, guys, it's been That's years. That's still pretty good. If there's, it's like all he stole was a loaf of bread. Can I at least get like a murder on top of this too? It's like, come on. If there's one thing I don't like, it's delicious bread, but with its crusty outside and its chewy inside. Uh, you're right. Bread's great. Well, <laughs> if you think of anything else, if you see Jean Valjean, let me know. Here's my card. Uh, uh, unless, wait a second. Hold on. Stuart. Mm-hmm. Are you Jean Valjean? Mm-mm. Oh, man. Well, do you guys know where he might be? Guys, I actually haven't seen that play. It's pretty miserable, right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's Stuart. That's called being a comedian. (laughs) Look it up. Anyway, uh, Robert De Niro and Leslie Mann are both doing community service at a homeless shelter at a church on Thanksgiving. And uh, here's where we learn that, one, 
Robert De Niro's character, Jackie, cannot shut the not, cannot shut the fuck up. He is doing Thanksgiving related shtick about having sex with turkeys just out loud to everybody in the room while he's serving people on a soup line and the homeless guy is not even like writing any of these jokes down like he's not working on his act he's just riffing dude he's a non-stop joke machine and the homeless guys be- being human beings who exist in the universe of this film love it they are <laughs> eating it up even faster than they're eating up that turkey and gravy maybe the only hot meal they've had in weeks and <laughs> and this is maybe the only hot set they've heard in weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so he's real- to get in the comedy cellar, dude. And what to you or me might seem to be kind of a selfish act, him turning this community service Thanksgiving line into his his impromptu audience, which cannot leave because they literally are starving for what they're receiving at the moment, and so are forced to listen to his unfunny routine. It's almost like the real community service he's doing is delivering something that makes him laugh. But anyway, mm-hmm. he and Leslie Mann have a meet cute this is where like a Patch Adams. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they have a meet cute where he is trying to get a voucher signed, and here's her on the phone complaining about somebody. Yeah, and uh, here's I think where I'm gonna I'm gonna pinpoint one of the problems with the movie. Now, Dan, if you could name two problems with this movie, what would they be? And then I'll tell you what my big problem is. Uh, the main character is totally unlikable. Mm-hmm. Okay, and all of his comedy is the sheerest hack work. Okay. Now, here's where I tell you something that maybe not would fix that entirely, but would help a little bit. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, this movie is about, essentially, two people who are down on their luck and are fairly unlikable. They're difficult to be around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Leslie Mann's character, as we meet her, is very quick to get frustrated and swear and angry, pushes people away, doesn't know how to get close to people. She's. It's easy to get into a confrontation with her. This is a movie about two very troubled people who finds some kind of uh, warmth for each other. Now, when did they make a lot of those movies? Like in the 70s and a little bit in the 80s. Mm-hmm. How did they shoot them? Did they shoot them with everything kind of flatly, evenly lit as if we were watching an episode of Modern Family with mm-hmm. kind of like very uh, big panning shots or you know static back and forths? No, they shot them kind of like as if it was a piece of real life you're looking at, kind of handheldy. Maybe things were a little dirty around the edges. Maybe the lighting wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie... Like, like the real New York, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think this movie would not have been good, but I think it would have been improved if they had shot it as if it was a movie like that, a slice of life about two people who are having problems and not <clears throat> as a heartwarming comedy about two people who are hilarious and yeah. everybody loves them. Yeah, more of a slice of drive. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, if only it was a slice of drive. I would have loved he that. He would have been great in this movie. It, actually, I'll tell you, Richard Dreyfus in that part would have been much better. Yeah. He would have been a thousand times better. Well, and I'm saying this as somebody who was once an enormous Robert De Niro fan, but I've kind of, you know, as America has, I've lost my taste for him. Mm-hmm. Charles Grodin shows up later in the movie, and we all agree that he would have been fantastic in the lead role. Albert Brooks would have been great. Yeah. Oh, Albert Brooks. I think Brooks. what those guys have is, one, they're genuinely funny. Mm-hmm. And two, but they're also genuinely prickly in yeah. a way that stops just short of being a total asshole. I mean, Charles Grodin often plays a character who is kind of a total asshole. But yeah. there's like I, they could they could toe that line between being like where you're like he's funny and he's difficult. He's kind of a dick, but he like he's magnetic and he's funny. I see why people would would care to be around this person or want to listen to them. Mm-hmm. You know, those are both good casting suggestions. Let's call up the people who made the movie and tell them to redo it. <laughs> Shoot it more kind of handheld, more gritty. Get yeah. Albert Brooks in there. Uh, and more uh, more uh, car chases, you know? It's yeah. New York. Just yeah. uh, 
Just throw in a little like maybe 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 one of those car chases where like a bicycle gets chased by a car. Like yeah, like, like premium rush, yeah. Yeah, and the car has like the car can't go every place that the bicycle can go. Until they hit the rocket booster button and the car turns into a plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So And then like a chud comes out of the sub subway. Exactly. A, a chud is taking the subway because he's gotta get to work <laughs> somehow. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, uh, I had to get the $5 foot long because I'm hungry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See, subways have multiple meanings now, guys. Oh, yeah, you're right. Because mm-hmm. it's not just a uh, it's not just a stuffy, smelly underground tube that you get stuck in mm-hmm. next to people you're never going to meet again who want to stand as close to you as possible. It's also food. <laughs> Nothing yeah. makes you think, that sounds like a delicious oh, sandwich. I thought you were going to go the other way. I'd be like, it's also a train. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that would have been better. Better <laughs> construction. Say, nothing makes me hungrier for a sandwich than thinking about being sweaty and angry when I hear, Our train is just train driving ahead of us. We're going to be stopped and moving shortly. And then I get stuck there for 25 goes, minutes when I got to be somewhere. Everybody showtime. And uh, then shows off his dancing skills. And they go, move back, move back. And they get mad at you when you don't move because it's like, hey, when did this become? Did I buy a ticket to this You're show? Like, I'm not paying attention to your show. I'm busy reading my book. Oh, I'm definitely <laughs> the guy who, out of spite, refuses to look at them and holds my book up even closer. Uh, what a lot of guys do to avoid giving their seats to pregnant women, which I I will give my seat to a pregnant woman, I do to avoid noticing the people performing on the subway. Mm-hmm. As soon as I hear showtime, I say no. I refuse to watch this You're show. Like, no time. <laughs> I have no time for I this, I say, well, Mr. call me Cinemax, because I don't want Showtime. <laughs> I mean, they're usually a package deal nowadays. Yeah, there? it's true, the triple play, Showtime, <laughs> Cinemax, and HBO. You're buying it for HBO and Cinemax After Dark. You'll accept whatever original shows, I guess Nurse Jackie. You're like, oh, Twin Peaks. Oh. Hey, these days, stars might be thrown in there, and you get that American Gods, you know? You don't know. Oh, that's true, that's true. Yeah, America's newest favorite delivery yeah, service uh, for penises. Well, like the the new uh, new season of uh, Party Down, probably, right? Oh, Stuart, I've got some really bad news for you. No, I just love that show. It's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, Stuart, I forgot that you fell into a coma while watching the season finale of Party Down. <laughs> season finale? I guess it would have been a season finale, not a series finale, right? <laughs> I mean, oh, boy. Uh, so anyway, they meet, and the fact that Leslie Mann is 30 to 35 years, maybe just 20 to 30 years younger than Robert De Niro. Uh, no, does it, 30 to 35, I 30, think. 30 35. Does it make it? Uh, I believe you asked this question, Dan, so I'm going to ask you to answer it. No, wait, Does it 30. make it better or worse that the movie acknowledges the age difference between them and how crazy it is? That this is the romantic interest for Robert De Niro? Yeah, it, it's hard to say. Like, it, the movie doesn't try and play it off like this is, like, a normal thing, like so many Hollywood movies do with an older man, younger woman. Like every movie Michael Douglas does? Mm-hmm. Or, or Jack he, Nicholson? I mean, I like, it even goes back as far to, like, in, like, old Hollywood like charade or something like yeah. that. But uh Cary Grant was seventy years older than Audrey Hepburn when they made the movie. <laughs> what? <laughs> he was great though. But it's still oh, like so so rat- attractive even at that age, yeah. It mm-hmm. still feels you weird. Tell, if you look at look at his knees, yeah. you can tell. Well every time he moves in that movie, just pay attention because they recorded the sound on set and you'll hear it's the grinding sound of his joints. Uh-huh. Very I mean they tried to tamp it down and uh they tried to dub in very loud mariachi music over most of the scenes in Charade <laughs> yeah. to cover that up, but it didn't do a great job. Every now and then you'll hear an elephant go, 
and that's to cover up an extremely loud <laughs> fart that Cary Grant has let loose because he can't really control his system at that point. Yeah. And you know, there are certain times when you, you can see his face go a little red and he glances at the camera and you know, and the camera cuts abruptly to another scene and you know that he's just about to tell Stanley Don and Stanley, I've got to let loose a big one. Cut the camera. <laughs> That's a charade. <laughs> yeah. So, Dan, does it make it better or worse that they call attention to how old I he is? I don't know. It, it feels it's really... a lampshade on it. They have, like, a <laughs> conversation about how old, how their age difference is a thing before they, like, have sex. And it... I don't know. It makes me feel uncomfortable either way, I guess, is the short answer to that. And I guess what I'm just realizing now is 30 years from now, Paul Rudd will be making a movie about having sex with a woman who has not been born yet. Yeah, Paul Rudd, the ageless one. Yeah, in like, so maybe in 70 years. There's going to come a time when Paul Rudd is an old man, and he's making a movie in which his co-star and romantic interest, as of the recording of this podcast, has not been born yet. She'll be like 27, and he'll be like in his late 60s. Wait. How the old math. Is Paul Rudd? Well, he was just in a movie called This Is 40 a couple years ago. Yeah, but that ago. doesn't mean shit, dude. Oh, yeah, movie you're right. magic. Yeah. <laughs> they used a lot of computers you to de-age him. Clayface goop, and he's fucking up and running. <laughs> no, but then he'll become a serial killer. <laughs> I want to back up. And or a just, victim? I want to back up and just make one point about uh, before that they had. Yeah, let's pump the brakes, guys. We've been moving too quickly through this movie. <laughs> yeah, we're almost a half hour into a two-hour film. The, before the two of them have sex. Before, Which is much later in the film. Oh. It's after he takes her to his lesbian niece's wedding yeah. and shocks all the blue that, blue blood. The lesbian niece's wedding is what I wanted to talk about. So okay, so let's say, say so Robert De Niro and Leslie Mann. Robert De Niro's having trouble with his career. He just can't seem to move forward. And Why Leslie, do you keep saying lesbian niece? I mean, well, it's important for what we're I, what I'm going to get into I mean, the, later. The, because the whole point of the scene is he gets. I mean, the point of the scene, Stuart, was not the elaborate extended horror that they danced because it's a Jewish wedding. It did take up a large part. Of the oh boy! They, okay, so let's just skip out of that. He decides to take Leslie Mann as a date to his niece's wedding, and let he there's trouble because uh, Patty Lapone does not like Leslie Mann, and Leslie Mann is wearing a very sexy dress for this wedding, and. They, uh, the niece says, Jackie, you're here. Oh, you're my favorite. You're my hero. You got to get up and say something, Jackie. Jackie, you got to get up. I don't know. I don't know. Jackie, you got to get up and say something. Okay, okay. And he gets, and next, you you expect, except, here's what you expect. expect. Cut to Jackie on stage talking. No, 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 my friends. We've got to watch them dance the horror for four minutes. And then we have to watch an old man and Leslie Mann dance together. (laughs) And then the old man collapses and just starts grabbing women's boobs when they bend over to see if he's doing okay. We never see that character again. And we've never seen him before. (laughs) He exists in the movie only for that one scene. He's never given a name. We don't know his relationship to anyone in it. his name's Dan or Stewart or something. I I guess, yeah, let's say his name's Dan Stewart. I guess they saw The Godfather and they saw the scene where the old man at the wedding gets up and is just singing to everybody and they were like... I guess ethnic weddings have an old man who gets up and does something crazy. This reminded me, by the way, just of a, of a joke that is terrible that rightfully did not get on The Daily Show uh, that I was trying to get on. Uh, so put it on our podcast. Yeah, come on. Yeah, give us your, your trimmings. <laughs> <laughs> give us your leavings, Dan. Of the superhero. Oh, here's a piece of poop that didn't flush down all the way. I guess I'll put it on my podcast. Of the superhero Leslie man who was bitten by a radioactive Leslie. But let's uh, move on. Oh, and the Daily Show wouldn't run that? <laughs> uh, but no, what I wanted to say. Niche for them. <laughs> I guess it just went over Trevor's head, huh? You heard it here first. Dan's words, not mine. What? 
What I wanted like, is, uh, I don't know if we can say superhero. I think that's copyrighted. We'd have to say capes or science heroes. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, a word that's owned by Marvel and DC together. Science heroes. <laughs> this is what masked I wa- men. This is what I wanted to say about the wedding scene, which is something that I said during the movie. Which and then we- after the wedding scene, can you remind me? Let's talk about the TV pitch scene. Sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, Jackie gets up and he says a lot of offensive jokes about. Uh, gay people, lesbians in, in particular. And this is, I think, why we are making it clear that this is a lesbian woman because, like, Jackie tells all these offensive gay jokes uh, and the lesbians and, like, are loving it. Offensive and not even... Not funny. Not even attempting to be funny. It's just, it's like, it is the it is the lowest, like, scummiest, yeah. like, gay people are weird routine. And the lesbians love it. Everyone else, their monocles are falling out into their champagne, <laughs> yeah. but the lesbians love it. And we, as audience members, are supposed to be like, oh, it's fine. It's fine that he's making these jokes it's because allowed. because th- they're digging it. And I want to be like, no movie. Hey, what's you, funny's funny, you no, know? <laughs> no movie. You wrote these characters. You're the one making them like this stupid for all joke. We know, for all we know, those might just be actresses playing lesbians. What? We don't even know if they're real lesbians, Dan. What? Oh, this this scandal goes all the way to the president. <laughs> Actually, probably. It's hard for me to think of a scandal that doesn't go to the president right now. Oh. But, but it's a good point, Dan. It's weird for a movie to have a character say something offensive, but then justify it by having a character in the movie kind of give it the okay. Yeah. I mean, nothing short in that scene than like, I don't know, like... Tignataro walking out and being like, good stuff, Jackie. (laughs) Like, it would have really given it the stamp of approval. (laughs) Like, if Melissa Etheridge and Katie Lang walked out and like, we're not comedians, but we know this is funny. Keep it up, Jacko. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, okay, so before this scene was a scene I forgot about, where this is the scene where that ends with him firing his agent, where he comes in to pitch a TV show to a place called Raw TV, which is supposed to be, I guess, like... I, like it's a cable I channel. I don't even know what it is. And it's, it's, it's like just supposed Spike to be edgy. It's like, I guess it's like Spike, it's like, yeah. Yeah, or Vice, but it's online. And he goes in to pitch a sitcom where he's in jail as an old man and all the prisoners, no matter what their ethnicity or gang, they all come to him for advice. And it's called Jackie on the Block. And when he says, they go, you got a title? He goes, Jackie on the Block. And the person he's telling to goes, oh, that's funny. Well, here's the thing. It's a great idea, but, and he throws a shit fit. Because as soon as he she yeah. says, but... He knows that they're not going to buy his idea. Are it's you a guys, you terrible guys idea. Me a little peek behind the entertainment curtain here. Oh yeah. Well, here's the thing. Uh, if you ever pitch a TV show, you will not sell it. Okay. Probably okay. not. I mean, that's to be expected. I have. Not, well, but just because I've never written a TV show, so <laughs> it'd probably be bad. The but first like ninety nine point nine 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 percent of pitches don't get bought. I guess, and a lot of it is just like going in and make and like trying your best and then showing that you can work with them. You know. But what about a prank show keep mm-hmm. talking and about the people i pull pranks on don't know i'm gonna do it okay i like this twist <laughs> but I, I guess is that a, a new twist on an old thing is that the gimmick that's the thing what's old is new again guys right see stranger things taught me that nostalgia is a powerful <laughs> weapon in the right hands okay and, and this, my hands are the rightest hands and what is this nostalgia for <laughs> Our pre-prank awareness culture. Dick Clark's TV's bloopers and practical jokes. Yeah, of course. Dan, okay. Dan's already on it. Dan, you're going to be With Sergio my... Aragoni's animations. Okay. Dan's uh, going to be the vice president of this show. It's, it's not really a show's work. You can be the president, Elliot. Oh, okay, great. I love it. Aww. Yeah, I'll put it on my network, I guess. KTV, Kalen Television. 
but he and he storms out, and it's one of those scenes where it's like uh, you're supposed you're supposed to be. It's supposed to be that he's a real artist, and I guess he's being conf- he's not being given respect by these suits. But you just while you're watching, you're just like, I hate all these people. I yeah. don't like anything that's going on here. This is his show idea is dumb. And his nothing, channel sounds terrible. And nothing about his character would make me think that he would actually take the time to write a show. No, that's true. He seems like a guy who doesn't follow through and doesn't even prepare material before going up. Why would I assume he could write a good show? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, very true. And. Uh, the uh, oh, this is all because. Uh, by the way, the video of him assaulting that guy. Did I mention it went viral? Yeah, it was viral. He has about four or five different viral moments throughout the movie where he does something and it goes viral. This is this movie has the understanding of the internet of a person who once heard the word viral. Mm-hmm. That is about the level at which this operates. I'll give the movie credit. I don't think it ever does a joke where someone confuses viral on the internet with like a having a virus. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was one of those unless I went into a, a boredom coma and missed it. So I'll give it credit for not going for that lowest hanging fruit. I would say they went to the branch above it, which was hanging an inch above the ground. I think the movie Unfriended has a better grasp of the internet. The movie where they videotape a girl who poops her pants and she becomes a ghost and kills them all. If I recall the movie correctly. Through the internet. That is a more accurate depiction of the internet. Or what was that movie, Smiley? Yeah, yeah it's about a smiley guy. Where they where they create a fake urban legend, but then in the end he turns out to be real somehow, and that's the twist. Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. And he, he does it for the smiley powers to kill them. Yeah, because you know what? You can kill with kindness. <laughs> Nothing kinder than a smile. What were his powers? Makes you jump off buildings and shit? Uh, he kind of looked like a belly with <laughs> stitches in it. That's not a power. That's not a power. <laughs> That's just a description of his appearance. <laughs> what, are, what, are, what are her powers? She's beautiful. <laughs> That's kind of a power. I guess that's true. That is the only real superpower that exists is being beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, I was thinking about this the other day. Tell me if you've heard this one from me. Okay. I was. This was something I was literally thinking about while just like getting ready in the morning, I was like, it's such a weird coincidence that so many of the winners of our most prestigious acting awards are beautiful. (laughs) I guess there's just a natural scientific link between physical beauty and (laughs) acting talent because so many Oscar winners, they're just beautiful. Like the men, the the women. I mean, if you looked, if you look at it, the vast majority of Oscar winners are gorgeous physically. And that award is surely based on talent and performance. And so it's like, what is it with all this? It's just like, if you're not beautiful, I guess you yeah, can't act. Sure. That's just what it is, scientifically. And I was just thinking about how uh, there are a lot of people like Arnold Schwarzenegger, where he's not necessarily what I'd call necessarily like a beautiful person, but certainly looks are what got him into the movies. He's this huge, muscled guy. And now the work he's... Adonis. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. And the work he's doing now, certainly he's like aged into a real performer who like brings his history with him when he plays a role. Yeah. But it's like, Oh, if someone looks good, they can have 30 to 40 years to become a good actor. Cause when you watch his old movies, it's not like you're like, this guy's really good. Like this guy's a really good actor. I mean, I think, I think he, he, he always had a natural charisma. And he yeah. Some, you have to have he charisma. Should get more, he should get some credit. Cause there's, there's a lot of guys out there who are that, who, yeah. Name yeah. two. Oh, man. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone? Kind of the same exact thing. Oh, no, you're right. Dolph no, it, Lundgren? Dolph Lundgren's pretty great, too. <laughs> <laughs> Howie Long? <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. Howie Long didn't have... A, Michael right. Dudikoff? <laughs> they're like, 
There are plenty of like beautiful ingenues who are like gorgeous and like never Dudikoff. have that chance to to age into. Uh... Oh no, women don't get the chance to age, Dan. That's oh, why that's women right. win best actress when they're young. Men win you best actor when point. they're old. You make a very good point. Women, by the time a woman is in her thirties, you can already hear Hollywood has implanted a clock on the, her back that's just ticking mm-hmm. down like what six years, and then when that clock goes off, you know what happens. What? They break her open and there's chocolate inside. <laughs> okay. And all the men dig that chocolate up and just suck it down and it keeps them youngish. All mm-hmm. right. Sean Connery has sucked out so much ingenue chocolate over the years. Uh, it's what keeps him attractive into his 80s. Or how old is he now? 800? I don't know. He's going to die in between the time we record this episode and it goes out. Well, then just really in case, bad. I'll say rest in peace, Sean Connery. <laughs> I was a fan of your work and a fan, I guess, of you avoiding paying taxes in the UK for decades. Not quite a fan of the whole, it's okay to slap a woman sometimes. No, thing. that's not something I'm or so into. Or when he defended it when called out on it. No, but. that's not so great. Now, it may seem like we're not spending enough time on the movie, but the thing is, there's not really anything that happens in this movie. Okay, so here, I'll tell you we the rest. We can skip to the end. I'll tell you the rest of the movie right now. Rob Dino's career is still going nowhere. Leslie Mann and his relationship, it has its ups and downs. Uh-oh, what are you going to do? They like sleep together once and they then sleep, she gets pregnant. They sleep together once and then later... After he uh, he argues his way into a spot at a Friars Club roast for an actress played by, was it Cloris Leachman? Cloris Leachman. And then his act is so hilarious it kills her and she dies on stage. By the way, we are not talking about how uh, amazing it is that this movie postulates that being part of a Friars Club roast is a, part, is a step to your big comeback. A, as Elliot put it, a dying organization. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit like saying... Hey, you know what? I want to go where I've got a big future. I guess I'll step onto Atlantis. Oh, water's getting a little high. <laughs> well, all right, but <laughs> this is the best place for me to get exposure. Love, 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 love. Anyway, Friars Club. Never been there. Very envious, obviously. Anyway, so, Dan, you were there. You described it as what? Like a museum for orangutans? I did not say that. <laughs> like, at all. I, I, I believe you referred to it as like, uh, like uh, an aging bone store. I did say that, like, this movie postulates a world where the Friars Club is always hopping with people and uh like actual legends of comedy whereas i've been there twice when the actual events have been going on and it has been a nearly empty boneyard i get the the impression that it's like a decrepit manor house where all the eyes on all the portraits have been cut out you know who's a member of the friars club uh, your friend and mine, Sam Means. Oh, yeah, I know Sam's a member of it. Well, yeah. he fits into that. Sam's kind of, he's a great guy. He's prematurely old and he loves comedy. Yeah. Uh, what? How Should I waste my time on an Edgar Allan Poe parody called The Fall of the House of Friars? <laughs> That's about a kind of decaying manse in which an old comedian just kind of fritters away his days. What's going to be the, uh, what's going to be the medium for this story? <laughs> uh, probably That's the show question. medium. Oh, wow, an episode of Medium. Yeah. I mean, I think that's appropriate because she talks to ghosts, I think. Mm-hmm, ghosts and gerblins. Anyway, so uh, so anyway, the Friars Club roast doesn't do him any favors. Does it go viral? Uh, sure it does. <clears throat> but here's the thing. It doesn't help him. So he goes down to Florida where he's tried to avoid doing shows because he doesn't want to sell out. Uh, he go- And he tracks down Leslie Mann to it. Old folks home where her dad, Harvey Keitel, now is. We skipped the scene where Leslie Mann, for her dad's birthday present, has uh, sets up a dinner for him, her, and his favorite television star, Jackie Burke, Rob De Niro's character, and where Harvey Keitel is seen at first 
talking to a very busty woman wearing like exercise clothes yeah. who then gets up from the table and walks away. No explanation as walks to who out that of the was. Movie. And walk, walks out of the movie and out of our hearts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so anyway, he's living at this old folks home. Rob De Niro, again, picks up the mic. And we get this great scene, you know, like when I, years ago, when I first saw Taxi Driver, I was like, man, I can't wait till these guys get old and, and do a movie together again. When they do Taxi Driver 2, Sport's back. <laughs> Which yep. Sport has somehow healed from his injuries from the end of Taxi Driver. Yeah. And he and uh, Travis Bickle like have to, uh, what, they're roommates now at an old folks they home? They have to be roommates in an old folks home. They're always, uh, you know, arguing who gets to spend time in the mirror. Either looking at a cool hat <laughs> or looking down the barrel of a gun. He's like, move out of the way with your guns. I want to look at this one pinky nail that's painted red. And he says, are you talking to me, sir? Mm-hmm. That's how he gets the famous line. Actually, I would kind of love to see a Taxi Driver sequel where Travis Bickle is old and he is no longer a fringe psycho. He's now like a Trump voter and like has totally been validated apparently by the political system. Like all the all the hate that he had raging inside of him in the 70s has now become acceptable for him to like to act on because that's just the the America we live in now. Is that I mean, too dark? I am kind of interested to see if like if the current political climate gives birth to films that focus on characters, I don't want to say heroes, but characters that are like have been like twisted and corrupted by the you know the the political like the level of political discourse in the country and commit mm. violent action based on it. I mean, I watched the movie Joe not too long ago with Peter Boyle, and it's kind of that about this uh, this guy whose daughter is a hippie, played by Susan Sarandon, who goes missing and he goes off to find her and ends up uh, hooking up with not hooking up, making out, but like hooking up, like meeting up <laughs> with with uh, Peter Boyle's character, who's this like Archie Bunker, like total blue collar racist hates everybody because he thinks they're stealing America from him. And the two go hippie hunting essentially. And the dad ends up spoiler alert for a movie that's 40 years old ends up shooting his daughter in the back because they go to clean out a commune full of hippies at the end, just by killing everybody. And while watching it, I was like, this is way too close to how I feel like a lot of people want to be acting right now. Like it was, it was like, it's not a great movie, but uh, there was definitely part of me that was like, well, Wish we could have moved away from this type of feeling in the past 40 to 45 years, mm-hmm. but didn't happen. Anyway, yeah. uh, but we should get back to the movie. Yeah, probably. So because we're about to get to the part where Rob De Niro delivers a hilarious parody of making Whoopi called Not Making Poopy about how hard it is to poop when you're an old person. Does this, is this recorded and does it go viral? Oh, yeah, you bet it Let's does. step back for a moment. Take the Take the... Take the global, take the long view. <laughs> okay, let's let's bird's eye this. Yeah, Robert De Niro. De, Robert De Niro, sure. <laughs> Robert De Niro, yeah. one of the most respected actors in American film. Mm-hmm. Quickly, quickly, in the world, is singing is burning up that karma, though. I think singing a <laughs> sings a parody song for about four minutes of the film. This is after another singer has has butchered uh, a rendition of "Being Alive." One of the most beautiful yeah. songs in the musical theater canon, but continue. He takes four minutes of the, out of this movie, sing a song with a bunch of old people about poop. Yeah. Dan, if it was funny, I'd think it was great. <laughs> Am I above poop humor? You know I'm not. I've written it. I've laughed at it. I've loved it. 
part of the fun of having a three-year-old son is I get to talk about poop a lot. Mm-hmm. If right. it was a funny song about poop, give this man a Nobel Prize. <laughs> <laughs> and yet it is not a funny song about poop. Do the old people at the retirement home like it? They love it. Oh, they're gobbling that shit up, literally. Mm-hmm. They're eating poop. It is a scat <laughs> buffet. So maybe not literally, but they, they love it. They're, I mean, they, they're young again. This is cocoon to them. They're suddenly yeah. full of vivacity. And, and it's yeah, a little... They get up and start dancing. It's a little weird. Steve Gutenberg shows up. Steve <laughs> Gutenberg? Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> it's a little weird to see Robert De Niro, who is an old man, performing for even <laughs> older people, where it's like... Robert De Niro, you ha- are closer in age and have more in common with your audience of seniors at this moment than with your girlfriend. Uh, Leslie Mann afterwards confronts him. She's pregnant. Oh, my God. That's not as good as when he finishes doing this amazing tour de force number. Everybody is fucking cackling. They are loving this uh, making poopy song. And he, like, <laughs> fucking mic drops and stomps out of there. And he walks past Harvey Keitel, who is deflated <laughs> who is shaking he's like <laughs> it's like i don't know what to do anymore down is up up is down it's like there's something about it's like either harvey Keitel saw the face of god or had a moment with the <laughs> devil <laughs> and he doesn't know how to accept this into his life <laughs> he should have known better to go up against jackie the person who apparently is the most hilarious person <laughs> in all of uh recorded history yeah, yeah, yeah. when harvey Keitel set him up he's like haha i'm setting him up in a in a no-win situation. Entertaining old people. No one can do that. The Kobayashi Maru for a comedian. And then just like Shatner, he rewrites the program. Blam, blam, shit my Robert De Niro says. And by Shatner, I mean Kirk. Because it's okay. not like, because it's the character did. It's not like William Shatner, the actor, went in and changed the Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> Although that would have been a great onset story. Mm-hmm, let him- <laughs> <laughs> what a prank he pulled. Uh-huh. Uh, the kind of prank you don't tell people about ahead of time. <laughs> so they're surprised when it happens. Wait, are you doing that? <laughs> uh, I hate to break it to you, Stu. Well, let me quick get that copy written. Uh, TM, so TM. Robert De Niro, he's told by Leslie Mann, hey, I'm pregnant. Uh, and Robert De Niro, he had mentioned earlier that he had a son who had died in his youth. And that's why, I guess, what turned him into a jerk, or maybe he was already a jerk. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not sure if I want to be a dad. And Leslie Mann's like, well, I'm not asking you to be a dad. This is my life. You don't have to be a part of it. They are, and he's like, "What? You're, you were just gonna have a baby and not tell me, and not you don't want me a part of it?" They argue about this for probably what twenty minutes, and uh, it's the kind of scene that, in like a heartbreaking drama, might have worked. I don't know. Yeah, but it doesn't work here. Uh, the song goes viral, and Robert De Niro is now on Raw TV hosting a show called Cry Uncle, in which people go through stunts. Now, I know what you're thinking. Shouldn't the movie have ended by this point? Oh, yeah. Au contraire, my friend. It continues. You also might be thinking, Raw TV, that sounds like something where it's run by young people mm-hmm. and they are trying different approaches to to media to capture Maybe it's like audience. a Tim and Eric or an Adult Swim mm-hmm. type thing. But instead, their show, Cry Uncle, is the most like old-timey, hacky No, it's show. Fear Factor. It's just Fear Factor. And it's in like this, Fear Factor with a set. The set, because it's a crawfish challenge, the set is like a bayou shack. Mm-hmm. And uh, Frank Luntz. Yeah, a couple of bayou babes. Uh, not Frank Luntz. Mm-hmm. That's Allie the, that's the pollster guy. Who's the, who's the oh, Lutz? Lutz from 30 Rock yep. comes out. As uh oh yeah, Hallie Haglin Bayou Babe, I forgot. Yeah, uh, got her star of the show, her trademark, <laughs> her Bayou Babe city. Uh, uh, Lutz from Thirty Rock has to lie in a canoe with crawfish all over him, crawdads, mm. 
for us for 30 seconds and they're really pinching him hard yeah, and the crawdads you, are shot in slow motion like to make them look enormous <laughs> i don't know i mean you you know crawfish you give them 30 seconds they're gonna flay the skin for you. <laughs> growing yeah. up as i did on they the can Mississi- skeletonize a cow in 30 <laughs> seconds Look, grown up as I did on the banks of the old Mississippi uh-huh. with my mom and pa going down to the old, old man river men. to get to what? And you're snapping turtle men of the Mississippi. Oh, of course, yeah. My, uh, I would just ride her down to the banks. We'd go fishing for crawfish. And the way you do it was you just stick your finger down into the water. Crawfish would snap that finger right off. And then when it was snapping your finger off, you'd grab it with the other hand. Mm-hmm. So you'd only count, you only really catch like five crawfish until you were left with just one hand. You don't want to use that hand for crawfish fishing. You need that for noodling so you can stick it in a catfish's maw and just pull <laughs> that sucker right out of the water. <laughs> and I'll just say they're dangerous, dangerous creatures, should be outlawed, shouldn't be pets like ferrets. Now, I really appreciate Elliot kind of just opening up his heart <laughs> and revealing his, his backstory. But I want to get real for a second, guys. Oh, oh God. All right. Real, realer than that? Okay. You guys, you guys have a favorite turtle. Yeah. <laughs> Donatello. Type, type of turtle? <laughs> well, okay. I'll count Elliot's response because that's technically a turtle. Donatello <laughs> the turtle. Do you have a, did you have a number one turtle, Dan? <laughs> I just know. I mean, I know the types. I know a couple. There's a snapping turtle. Pick there's a, a favorite. There's a box turtle. Pick Don't just a, name turtles, and that's probably a tortoise. Stop fence sitting. Pick a turtle. Uh, a sea turtle. <laughs> okay, that's fair. And Stuart, you? Uh, uh, the the Mata Mata turtle. Have that's what I was gonna say. Awesome? It looks like a pile of leaves, and its neck is super long. Oh, man, it's so gross. Yeah, I gotta look this fucker up. That's yeah, a fantastic turtle. Stuart, I'm so glad you said that. I knew we were soulmates, <laughs> and now I know it even more. <laughs> that is the top number one uh, best I turtle. I waited this long to reveal that I love the Mata Mata <laughs> turtle to you guys. What I love about this relationship, Stuart, is I'm always <laughs> discovering new things about you, and it just makes me love you more. Dan, I know everything about, and I hate him. What? <laughs> so anyway... Uh, He's he's doing this show, and this is where I literally I thought the movie was showing us that he's successful again uh-huh. because the movie doesn't know what's funny. So maybe they thought this was a great reward, but no, uh, Lutz can't do it. He gives up and cries, Uncle. And Robert and Nero's like, "What? I, I, it's awesome!" Looking right? at the Mata Mata, right? I just found that I had never seen this turtle before. It is a crazy <laughs> turtle. It's super What's cool. going on with this? Thing? <laughs> Dan, this wish, turtle looks like Hammerhead from Star Wars. <laughs> I wish, his, his name's Momo Nadon. I wish you could see the look of sheer glee on Dan's face as he sees this turtle for the first time. Uh, Dan, you want to see? Here, I'm going to give you the greatest gift you've ever received. Go to the Brooklyn Zoo. All right. This weekend. Mm-hmm. They got one. This weekend. No. Probably. Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't want him to go. He can't go to, uh, on a week, work day. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, could. actually, you know what, Dan? Skip work. Go to the Brooklyn, go to the uh, Brooklyn, the Prospect Park Zoo. Not the Brooklyn zoo. zoo. Go to the Prospect Park Zoo. When my check wife out that and I first started dating, I, uh, and she was uh, in a wheelchair, I pushed her around that zoo together. Oh, it that's very really sweet. Great. It's a great little zoo. You can see the whole thing in one trip. Uh-huh. A lot of great animals, a lot of monkeys. Feel bad for them because they're can, not huge spaces, but what are you going to do? It's a zoo. Yeah. Or, when, as soon as you go to a zoo, you're making a deal with the devil that you're okay with animal imprisonment. I will say. Nothing in the world makes me more jealous than seeing like sea lions and seals playing in the water oh, in a zoo yeah. on a hot day. Like it you feels be in like there. like like I am one of Odysseus's sailors <laughs> and I am being tempted <laughs> overboard by the sirens. <laughs> So, uh, very apt. Let's finish up this movie because I'm sure we're going super long, much like yeah. the movie. So, 
of Rob De Niro Lutz gives in, and Rob De Niro's like, what a failure, you're ashamed, your family hates you, and sees Lutz's family, like, consoling him, and I think it's in that moment that he realizes that humans can care about each other, mm-hmm. that there's such like, a thing as affection. He's like, my family doesn't need financial security, so yeah. I won't take this job anymore. So he, out like, he goes, fuck this show, I don't want to be here, and he quits, and then... It's like, then it just cuts to eight years later, right? Well, no, because he says, fuck this show. Oh, that that's a, that's viral, the third right? viral thing that he does. Oh. And so he gets Jeez. called up on the stage. <laughs> he gets called up on the stage in the comedy cellar. Not a paying gig, mind you. Just, he just gets called up in the comedy cellar. Oh, right. He and spends a lot of time at the comedy cellar, which you may know from the show Louie. Uh, or if you've been to stand-up comedy in New York. It's a cellar. I mean, well, they do I don't know. I mean, they may get money from doing that, but it's not. I'm not. I'm saying it's not a regular paying gig the way that hosting a television show would have been. Yeah, yeah, but he's got to do it for his art because he's not going to sell out. And he Just has because he's the hackiest, worst comic in the world doesn't mean he doesn't have principles. He has a great night at the Comedy Cellar, a audience that I guarantee you would hate him. <laughs> Yeah, because they're all like young hip people. Yeah, yeah, but they all went to the dentist earlier that day, so they're still riding that <laughs> okay. nitrous high. And so he has an amazing night at the Comedy Cellar, and then we get a Bratz-style leap ahead. Eight years later. Eight years later. Eight years, dude. That is not a small amount of time. Large change. That, that's two presidential terms. There is a very real possibility Robert Nino's character would not be alive eight years after the events of this movie. I mean, he think, is. Of all, think of all his friends that are no longer alive oh, at this point. So many funerals. Think so about many how many. Richard Belzer's dead. He's long dead the, by now. The concept of viral would be completely different. Oh, yeah. The internet doesn't exist so we know now. Now it's in everyone's because heads. It wasn't like the early stuff was happening in the past, right? Because no. No, because they're talking about viral videos and things like Google so, News. There was uh, some dude who had an iPhone. Yeah, so this is. So the end of the movie, we're led to believe, takes place in the year 2025 or 2024, depending on what year this movie was released. Florida still exists? It should be underwater. <laughs> it should be underwater, or maybe Bugs Bunny sawed it off and pushed it into the ocean, like in the in the hit cartoon Rebel Rabbit. That's the part where he goes, take it away, South America, and he saws off Florida and just pushes it away <laughs> in the ocean. But, classic, uh, classic clip. Oh, uh, and his daughter with Leslie Mann is on stage at the talent show doing stand-up, mm-hmm. and her she does a filthy mouth routine. And he couldn't be prouder. I mean, that's the way we know for sure that she's his daughter because it's not like she's covered in a bunch of wrinkles or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's not a she's not a little old lady. <laughs> and everything worked out for the best, you know. Yeah, uh, the end. Uh, we did the go, comedian. We did go long, so let's get to final judgments quickly. Stuart, what do you have to say about this movie? Is oh, a man. good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie you kind of like? Bad bad movie. Don't watch it. I agree. Bad, bad. Skip it. Don't zip it. Uh, By which I mean, like, get a download a zip file and then unzip it. I'm going to go a little longer in my saying bad, bad, just because it made me so angry. <laughs> Dan goes, let's wrap it up real quick, guys. Do yours real fast. Bad, 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 bad. Okay, I'm going to take a little bit more time. No, Thanks, I just Dan. meant we... Thanks for reserving the balance of our time for you. <laughs> Appreciate it, buddy. I, I didn't mean that you had to go that fast. Hey, guys, the- we got to run. And uh, the, and there's not a lot of hamburgers to go around. So each take one bite. Okay, I'm going to take right, these four it. hamburgers. <laughs> yeah, no, what were you going to say? Use it. Use your ill-gotten gains. No, I was just saying, like, look, I'm not a, a stand-up comic. Uh, That's for sure. I know stand-up comics, however. Like, I, like Elliot, exist in the world of comedy. This movie made me angry as a comedy person because the comedy in it was so bad and the reaction to it was so outsized to like what was going on, and the the main character was so unprofessional at every step 
of the way. And the misunderstanding of the internet was so egregious that it just infuriated me uh, with every minute that went by. And that's what I have to say about that movie. Very nice. Yeah, that was worth it, Dan. Shut up. (laughs) How do you say cheese in Spanish? What show should I have on my DVR? What are the best songs of the year? Is VR cool? What's your jam? Which one of you is the Renata of the panel? For answers to these questions and so much more, come on over to Pop Rocket, a pop culture roundtable discussion that always has a fun, diverse panel talking about the stuff we love. Catch us every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you decide to get your podcast. I'm not going to judge. Mugs, shirts, stickers, patches, tanks, and more are yours for the purchasing at MaxFunStore.com. Hey, you already love the podcasts, so why not take this to the next level and outfit your home and bod with our merch? MaxFunStore.com. Because if you have to wear a shirt, it should be one of ours. Uh, but we have a couple of sponsors. Oh boy. That help us on. keep going in this bleak world. Slower. <laughs> While we were watching The Comedian, the only thing that I could uh, allow me to keep going was not the thought of my wife. It was the thought of these sponsors. <laughs> uh, so, look. Our first Guess sponsor, what? <laughs> wow. I'm sure our sponsors appreciate your anger leading into the sponsor spots. It's not directed to the sponsors. No, it, the sponsor is great. It's your lethargy. Continue. Uh, look, when you need a tuxedo, when you want uh, to look nice for your big day or your special event. Yeah, you got to put on the Ritz. Look as great as you can in suitsfromtheblacktux.com. They've got modern rental suits and tuxedos, and they can have them delivered to your door. Look, if you want to rent, go to the Black Tux. Don't go to some strip mall somewhere. Black Tux lets you create your look or choose from tons of stylist-selected outfits. Stand out at your event for the right reasons with the Black Tux. You get free shipping plus $20 off your purchase. Visit theblacktux.com slash flop. You have to understand that prom is the most important night of your life. Oh, yeah. And you don't want to fuck it up by going to some strip mall place and rent your tux. That's crazy. Show people that you know how to use the internet properly by going to theblacktux.com. Let's say it's not prom. Let's say you're going to a wedding, maybe even your own. You want to look as best as you can, and you want to dick around with men's warehouses bullshit. Mm-hmm. Theblacktux.com. Uh, our second sponsor of the night is Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon. Oh. They believe in smart design. Crawling out of the darkness. We got some Mac Weldon back in town. <laughs> Wow, okay. Look, I want to balance what Stuart just said by taking note of the fact that is Mac Weldon currently taking care of my genitalia? Yes, because they make the best underwear. Uh, Hey, buddy. Right over here, up top. Yeah, Mac Weldon brothers. I'm wearing them right now. Yeah, they call us the Mac Weldon trio, right, Stuart? Uh, They do. They call (laughs) us that on our dinner placemats. (laughs) Yeah, Dan, continue. Talk about how great the underpants we're wearing Mac right now is. believes in smart are. design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. They're dedicated to making the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, and more you will ever wear. I love the hoodie I got from them. Yeah. 
It's a wonderful hoodie for all formal occasions. Yeah, and they make great socks, too. My Mac Weldon undershirt is the undershirt I wear on the specialist occasions. When I want to feel uh-huh. confident. You want to feel like a real Brando type? Yeah, kind of, I could say that. But like literally, like if I'm going into like a big meeting or something, uh-huh. like that's the undershirt I wear where I'm like, I know I'm going to feel like I'm a cooler person mm-hmm. if I'm wearing this than if I'm wearing one of my ratty Haynes undershirts. Mm-hmm. That's good because Mac Weldon wants you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair of underwear, keep it, and they will refund you. No questions asked. Uh, go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using the promo code FLOP. 20% off using the promo code FLOP. You're going to like is, the way it feels. We guarantee it. Dan, what is it about the sponsor spots that ages you decades <laughs> in a moment? I'm trying. Like the girl at the beginning of The Haunting. I'm trying yeah. to slow down so people can hear what I'm tr- the important message I'm giving them about our sponsors. Yeah, because you it's know like you picked the jeweled goblet in the, I don't want the to temple rather than the simple through, clay cup of a carpenter's son <laughs> in a way that's going to disorientate and disrupt and upset the listener. Yeah, because you know what, Dan? You know what people hate to hear in their ad pitches? Dis- disorient is what? the word I was looking for, by yeah, the way, not disorientate. <laughs> Dan, you know what people hate in their advertisements? Fast talking. That's why Micro Machines is not the best. <laughs> yeah, they went out of business a long time that's, ago. That's why Micro Machines didn't have the best ads ever, because they're fast talker, because people hate that. Mm-hmm. So, Dan, what else do we have coming on? We today? got some Jumbotrons, right? Uh, Stuart, do you want to read your Jumbotron first, or shall I? You know I do. The Order of the Grand Lock is a secret society that has existed for centuries with the power to control governments, topple empires, and cancel your favorite TV shows. That's right, scrubs. What? And now they figured out how to email. And now they figured out how email newsletters work. Subscribe today at thegrandlock.com. And each week you'll get a short newsletter in your inbox with tales of Grand Lock history, etiquette, and petty infighting among their mysterious ranks. It's occasionally weird, often funny, but always intriguing. Be counted among the Grand Lock's secret ranks and unravel their mystery. Subscribe for free at thegrandlock.com. Now, is it lock like a door lock or like Loch Ness? Like a door lock. Okay. But that is a suitable question. Your question has been deemed suitable. Oh, thank goodness. So I was worried I would age and turn into dust like Donovan in The Last Crusade or Donovan the folk singer. (laughs) They call him Mellow Yellow because he is a moldering yellow pile of <laughs> dust. Yep. Yellow yep. mold is a terrifying enemy to encounter in a dungeon. Mm-hmm. Hurdy-gurdy man indeed. Okay, here's a Jumbotron for Evan from Zach. Again, that's for Evan from Zach. Happy birthday to my best friend in Floppitude. My gift to you is this message, read by your favorite flopper, Elliot. Unless it is read by Dan or Stewart, in which case they are now your favorite. Nope, Elliot got it right the first time. While you aren't Pervasoid number one, you are certainly up there in the Pervasoid rankings. May your days be filled with all the good, bad movies you can handle. Oh, what a sweet message of friendship and birthday wishes. Uh, and following that up, Dan, I believe we have some 
performance announcements. May mm. I make them, or would so you like to? So if we sound a little bit exhausted, it's because last night we just did two back-to-back sweet shows at the Bill House. And But that's not all. Those may have been our last New York shows for the foreseeable future. I'm moving to Los Angeles. But we've got some... Out of town, we got an out of town show. We have a New York show that is a riffing show and not a podcast <clears throat> recording. Yeah. So I would not call it a flop house show because it's a flop night, bad movie night show. Uh-huh. Uh, now, the first, July 16th, we'll be in Philadelphia. That's right. The Cradle of the Revolution. No, wait a minute. It was Boston, the Cradle of the Revolution. Dan? I think, uh, the Cradle of the Revolution is in your heart. Thank you. The city si- of Brotherly Love. The City, city of Brotherly of- Love will welcome the three Flop Brothers at the Philadelphia Podfest, or Philly Podfest, if you're mm-hmm. feeling like you know them well enough. July 16th at 8 p.m. Uh, doors, 7 p.m. Doors at 7.30 p.m. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, right, Dan? Yeah, well, we went over this before the movie started, yeah, so Elliot should have the most accurate information. And the, okay. so go, if people show up at 7, it's not like they're going to be like, fuck this, I'm not waiting an hour to see those nerds. Better to show up at 7 for an 8 o'clock show right, than show up at 8 let, o'clock for 7 o'clock. Let's be clear about it. Well, I'll tell you let's what. You know what the what clearest is. thing is, Dan? If you go to phillypodfest.com, you'll see that on July 16th, that night, we will be performing a live recording of a Flophouse episode. It's going to be all three of us, our first ever show in Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia's got a lot of great stuff. It's got the world's best collection of Marcel Duchamp's work. Mm-hmm. It's got the Liberty Bell, and it's going to have us for just one night only. And we'll probably announce the movie. And they pour fake cheese all over everything. Yeah, we'll probably announce the movie next episode. Yeah, I think that makes sense. They don't pour fake cheese on everything. So what you should do is direct everything. all tweets to... Uh, at Dank McCoy as to what movie we should watch. Mm-hmm. If you have Actually, suggestions, I wouldn't mind that. If you have suggestions, people of Philadelphia, if you want to see us talk about a particular movie, tweet at Dan at Dank McCoy and let him know. And then, one less than a week later, on July twenty second at Brooklyn's Alamo Draft House Theater, we'll be having a flop wait, night. Wait, wait, is that July twenty second? No, no, that's June twenty second. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh boy! Oh boy! That the Philly Podfest, in addition to a, a I apologize, shows, I wrote that down wrong. There's two other great shows from Maximum Fun that are that are doing shows there. We got this with Hal Lublin and mm-hmm. Mark Agliardi, two great guys, and uh, Sawbones, right? Yeah, I'm always I'm always playing video games with that Hal Lublin on the internet, and uh, Sawbones with Sydney and Justin McElroy. That's right, three Max Fun shows, but. The one you're going to want to see is the Flophouse one, right? But I think they're not at the same time, so you can see them all yeah, if you want. The same time, it's yeah. a pod fest. See more than one. It's a festival. Yeah, go crazy. Uh, they call them pod uh-huh. fiestas in the Spanish-speaking yeah, world. says, do what your body wants. Just do what your body wants. And that, your body wants tons of podcasts. And now I apologize for misremembering the date of the other one and misremembering the month of it. I'm a busy man. i got a lot going on. June 22nd, we'll be doing a show at That's the— That's this month. This month. That is bare weeks from when this episode is released. We'll be at the Brooklyn Alamo Draft House for uh-huh. Flop Night. Once again, we're teaming up with the I Love Bad Movies crew of Matt Carmen and Xenia Roche to riff over a real movie, not record an episode where we're talking about a movie, but to talk over a movie. And oh boy, what movie is it, guys? Stolen. Stolen starring Nicholas Cage. That's right. It's Stolen starring Nicholas Cage. And you know what? We've we've riffed over a lot of bad movies. Finally, we're gonna watch a good movie, stupids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually a pretty fun and, movie. <laughs> and I gotta say, I don't wanna threaten anyone, but this is okay. Pop- Chill the fuck out, dude. I 
We may, like, look, with Elliot moving, it'll be harder to do live shows in New York. We are going to be doing live shows across the uh, U.S. and Canada. We're going to try and yeah, do... Yeah, other planets, even. the moon. What, mm-hmm. We're going to try and... Uh, other dimensions, where Hitler won. Ego, the living planet. Uh, we're going to try and spread out our live shows. Uh, Those two. But I think that this may be capping our live riffing shows in New York career i mean it's a good it's a good possibility is it's, all I'm it's saying. possible who knows what may happen in the far future uh but i think it's a possibility so if you want to see us if you're living in new york and you want to see us riffing on a movie this will be your your last bet for some time i'm excited about doing it because that was kind of how we started doing our live shows mm-hmm. definitely and, uh and we started doing our live shows with matt and ksenia of i love bad movies and with christina so and it's christina gonna be a, programmer now at the Alamo Draft House. It's going to be this great, bittersweet love letter to just like us. <laughs> they honestly, like... A bittersweet love letter to ourselves. <laughs> honestly, like, if it's going to be, I know, an emotional experience for me, uh-huh. uh, there's going to be a lot of people that I'm doing this show with that I'm going to be moving far away from and just will not have the same contact with. And so if audience members want to see me probably tearing up at the end of it, uh, come on down to the Alamo Draft House on yeah, yeah. June 22nd. Yeah, just show up and tear up a picture of Abraham Lincoln. No! <laughs> I mean, it's no worse than what was done to him in real life. His head was ripped <laughs> apart by a bullet. Uh, but, and, or maybe I'm just crying at the majesty that is Nicholas Cage in Stolen. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I apologize um, again about getting the, I'd written the month down wrong. That's all right. Ugh. Sometimes I get confused about which month is which. Episode, you'll do another fucking apology. Yeah, next I'll do an <laughs> apology in July. Sorry for everybody who missed that show. I got, so that's July 16th in Philadelphia and like, June 22nd uh, I want to apologize because I was officially in the no bozo zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, can only, I, have a, I have a letter that I prepared with my attorney. <laughs> I feel sadness and shame for myself, my family, and the organizations I represent. For my activities and behavior, which can only be described as having a high degree of bozo quality. <laughs> I, I, yes, I know, I'm fully aware that I was in the bozo, no bozone zone. <laughs> I was in the no bozo zone at the no time. Bone zone. I was not in the bone zone either. And uh, my being a bozo and being full of bones uh, were both reprehensible and I'm ashamed and I will do everything in my power to avoid such problems in the future. Yeah. I didn't love like, Elliot. I didn't like Elliot's mistake, but he's kind of a class act in his apology. So I'll let him back into the zone. Uh, <laughs> so Dan letter bag, we don't have time for a letter song. Let's get to the letter. Let's get to those letters. Cause we're running out of time. It's late right now. And the episode's long. Let's just cut to the letters. No time for a song. It's letters time. It's letters time. Let's get those quick letters going right now. Let's sing a song, but let's not. There's no time. Let's do a shot, and you missed it. It's letter time. Uh, thanks, I guess. <laughs> I could have sang a song, but I didn't because we don't have a lot of time. Yeah, all right. This is letters from listeners. Our, yeah. our first letter is from Jackie, last name with hell. Jackie Burke, the main character of the film. Who <laughs> says... I was going to say Jackie Roseanne's sister. <laughs> Lori Metcalf? Yeah. No, I mean the... Oh, the character. character yeah. In your opinion, what villain or supervillain has the best job prospects in today's competitive market? Whose powers and or skills are exactly what employees are looking for? For example, in the final episode of Sherlock, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, 
spoiler alert, Eurus Holmes, Sherlock's secret crazy sister, manages what? <laughs> manages to take over a high tech island prison and sets up a saw style death maze filled with carefully timed traps. That's Sounds right, awesome. Sherlock lost its way. One of which involved transporting the unconscious main character hundreds of miles away. All with the oh, power. Oh, and also pretending to be a little girl on a crashing plane for some reason. Yeah. All with the power of her awesome. psychotic brainwashing <laughs> abilities. A lot of prep and people must have been involved. She is not getting enough talent credit for her amazing project management skills. <laughs> yeah. What villains have transferable talents that would really make a resume stand out? Thanks from Chicago, Jackie, last name withheld. Uh, I feel like in Suicide Squad, uh, Harley Quinn has a real talent for dealing with difficult men without losing her poise and gaining their respect uh, without, you know, bringing herself to do things that she's ashamed to do, mainly because she has no shame. Uh, and I feel like in today's both job and political market, that would be a real source of strength. I feel like uh, Blofeld, he has a real uh, affinity for animals. Like mm. he could be a veterinary assistant. The way he is able to threaten James Bond while petting a white cat on his lap and not have that cat distressed or run off or anything. Shooting for the stars there. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? You know, shooting, I mean. Yeah, thinking he's big. He's super rich, right? Yeah, he's sure. the, he spends billions of dollars just talking about undersea what, bases and things like where that. Where his talents lie. Yeah, now, have you ever right. heard the theory that Blofeld is actually the cat and he telepathically controls different men and makes them Blofeld? Oh, because what? they have different actors playing Blofeld? Yeah, and that, that Blofeld is just a telepathic cat. I That's had awesome. not heard that, but I love it. <laughs> That's the only fan theory I've ever heard that I've liked. Okay, well, there you go. Keep it under your pillow, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll keep it there with a wish and a kiss. <laughs> it's going to keep him awake at night like the princess and the pea. Mm-hmm. She kept peeing in her bed. No wonder she was waking up. Uh-huh. Because it feels warm at first, and then it gets cold. It gets really cold. Also, uh, Princess was a horse. So I was going to say, you know, I was going to say Dr. Doom, because he's, yeah. like, super rich, and he's got lasers, and he just doesn't give a shit. Also, like, like, a doctor is always in demand somewhere. I feel like in this political climate, just, like, his, like, charisma and, like, attitude and armor and shit and not giving a fuck, like, he'd probably do really well. Uh, there's also, there's a villains like, uh, the Trapster, originally known as Paste Pot Pete, uh-huh. who has this super glue, and it's like, why are you committing crimes? Just sell that glue. Sell the glue, dude. You got it right there. And you have a costume perfect for, uh, for infomercials. Uh, like, the wizard has anti-gravity discs, and it's I like. I thought he had a power glove. What movie was I watching? <laughs> <laughs> Talking about a different wizard. Uh, he has anti-gravity discs. It's like, why are you using those to commit crimes and try to take over the world? Alan you have- Moore has anti-gravity discs? Oh, boy. You know what, Dan? Let's go to the next letter. All right. The next letter is from Paula Lastname withheld. Giamatti. <laughs> Paula Giamatti? All oh, right. Paul, yeah, Paul's sister. <laughs> I thought you were doing it like just Italian. Paula Lastname withheld. Uh, this It goes like this. Thank you so much for your podcast. It's, it sure makes a nice work day when I can tune in to listen to Three Pals yuck it up about questionable movie culture, even though I do worry sometimes about Dan's well-being. Are you okay, Dan? Those other guys can be so mean. My questions are... Yeah, that's what's causing Dan's problems. My questions are... In your own biopics, what would be the last line spoken, and who would deliver it? And while we're here, what music would see the movie out? Oh, interesting. Thanks again, and best wishes. Paula Lasting withheld. 
Now, clearly, uh, for reasons that you um, state in your own letter, the last lines of the movie uh, for my movie would be, how could we go on without Dan? And it would be (laughs) Elliot and Stuart saying it. And then as we cut to black, there would just be two gunshot sound effects. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the song that plays? Like, I'm Walking Uh, on Sunshine? uh, Crossroads? (laughs) Mothugs in Harmony? (laughs) No, to be more serious about what song I would like to play, I don't know. Uh, I think that Five Years off of Ziggy Stardust I would like very much. Or uh, this is maybe a little obvious, me, since I'm Talking Heads fan, and this is, uh, since I'm, I almost said, since I'm Talking Heads. <laughs> since I am Talking Heads, uh, and uh, this is their most sentimental song, but Naive Melody would be a nice song yeah, sure. to play over the end of a of a biopic or at a wake, let's say for me when I die, Elliot get on it. I'll remember. Yeah. Like I'm not going to remember that. It's the first song I'll think of when you die and I play it at your wake. Mm-hmm. That is a sweet song though. You know, for a long time, I assumed the music that would play over the, uh, the closing credits of my biopic would be hallowed be thy name by iron maiden. <laughs> <laughs> now as I'm a little older, it's probably my way by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> and the last words would be, and nowadays, we call them computers. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and then somebody says, Kofefe, and then I dab a whole bunch. <laughs> I don't know how well your, your story's going to age. age. Yeah, really going to date your biopics, <laughs> too. Be awesome, right? <laughs> I just think mine's going to end. You're just going to see a police detective shaking his head sadly going, too much chicken. <laughs> and then it'll probably go to... Uh, either Mother by Danzig or uh, Leatherwing Bat, the Peter, Paul, and Mary version. All right. Depends on how I'm feeling the day I die. Sure. I know I'm going to wake up early the day I die, that's for sure. Probably uh. feel a fly buzz in my brain. Wow. <laughs> so the, uh, I mean, I couldn't stop for death, but he kindly stopped for me. Yeah. Thanks for all the references. <laughs> no problem. You got it. <laughs> Anytime, bud. Um... This next letter is actually uh, very serious. Okay. So let's dial it back, guys. Sorry. Okay. Uh, my name <sighs> is... I mean, we were, we were just not being serious talking about our own demises. No, I know. Bit. Well, I'll do our best. I'm just warning we'll you best. so you don't joke them ups. Uh, my name is Brian, and I recently discovered the Flophouse through my fiance of six and a half years, but sadly under bad circumstances. He recently became blind at 29 due to her diabetes and gastroparesis. This has changed our lives from the worst because we, uh, because we got together bound by a love of our film and the cinema experience. Her perfect films are Back to the Future and Ghostbusters, but she will talk Kubrick and Allen all day long with you. Her dream to be a film director is shattered due to her blindness now. Even though she can't see to watch movies or maneuver her phone, she still manages to f- pull up y'all's podcast. Each day she cries and wants to give up, but she manages to laugh with each Flophouse review. The Flophouse seemingly is keeping her going. We recently listened to the Oogie Loves review, and we laughed so hard together. A complete blessing, in my opinion. I write this message to you guys, hoping you can help. Please, from the bottom of my heart, give a shout-out to Catherine A.G. of Longview, Texas. I believe in my heart it would be enough to give her a sense of strength. Also, we both think a terrific film to talk about is Prince's Under the Cherry Moon, Jesus, you have to see it to understand what we mean, but it's so cringeworthy. She was going to do a what-the-fuck what, what film review of it, but now she isn't capable. She's currently in the hospital, blind and listening to your voices now. 
Thank you with nerd love, Brian. Last name withheld. So a shout out definitely to Catherine Ag of Longview, Texas. Thanks for writing in. Uh, yeah, not the, much to say about this, but no, I mean, yeah, def- definitely a shout out. <laughs> 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 but the like, Catherine, you're struggling with something that I know. Like that's one of my biggest fears. Mine as well. Yeah. I can't imagine it, but it sounds like you have somebody in your life who loves you very much, and I think that you have the strength to push through this and, I mean, hope and find a way to move forward with your life. Um, and I think it's if if we can provide any like gateway to the world of film for somebody who loves film but can't experience it anymore, like that's the like well, this whole fucking thing is worthwhile. Yeah, there's no there's no better reason for us to continue to put up with each other day <laughs> in and day out. Uh but Stuart has spoken, I think uh yeah, certainly how I feel about this too, very eloquently. <laughs> it's the booze. Uh but thank you for writing in and telling us about this. Uh Catherine, thank you for listening and uh we'll be thinking of you and you'll be in our thoughts and our prayers and yeah uh i don't know you but i know that you can push through this and that you will find the things in life that are bringing you wonder and joy and happiness and love still and if us yammering on and making fun of dan when he mispronounces things uh is part of that then i feel very lucky and if I can mispronounce things for your advantage, then all the better. It's advantage. So she's not making money on the stock market based, based on it. I mean, if she's not, she can make a pretty good bet against me. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that, that, of the pretty when solid. Dan misspoke. He was giving me a stock tip. <laughs> uh, that Las Vegas uh, odds makers do lay. They're not. I mean, you're not going to make a ton of money off of a Dan. No. Is he or is he not going to mispronounce odds? But. If you can guess the actual word that he mispronounces, and if you can also guess when it happens and also what he mispronounces it as, that's a trifecta. That can pay big bucks. Yeah. Um, One last question before we go. Uh, I mean, we're going to do our recommendations. Not before we go, but before we go out of this segment. Uh Hey ho to my favorite jizz cast. This is from Pete last night. <laughs> no. Real change in tone. <laughs> real, really, really neck shocked snapping. me out of that one, Dale. <laughs> Squeeze. Oh, so, uh, I have whiplash. Oh wow. Uh, but I mean, in, in all fairness, we are a pretty good jizz cast. <laughs> yeah, it's just I feel like the person who curates these letters, one Dan McCoy. Uh, that was an unfair juxtaposition. <laughs> but continue, shall you? Uh, my question is, if someone comes with a stretcher and a garbage bag, which one of you is getting on the stretcher and which two of you are getting in the bag? Oh, oh that's a good point. I Dan's mean, the hero that gets <laughs> on the stretcher and we're the two pieces of shit. <laughs> get in the garbage bag. And they just need one bag because I'm pretty small. I'm not going to take up a lot of room. <laughs> yeah, you can share my bag, dude. And then they can take the other bag and fill it with, I don't know, like gummy bears or something. <laughs> For the ride to the yeah. mortuary. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the uh, and especially if it's one of those glad bags that stretches a lot, like those quilted ones. We can definitely fit in. Yeah. Dan, you want to join this bag party? Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel left out now that I'm on this nice stretcher. I mean, you deserve the stretcher. Sure, you're I a mean, hero. The stretcher is a Casper mattress, though, so it's going to be really comfortable. Oh, oh yeah. It's, yeah, it's just the right bounce <laughs> from what I hear. Yeah. 
I don't like hearing you say the word bounce. Okay. <laughs> um well thanks for the, for those kind words uh what do we do now Dan? now is the time in the podcast where we recommend a movie that we actually liked in lieu of watching the comedian which made me that's weird furious. He's giving me the stretch it <laughs> okay i guess we can talk forever so i'm gonna recommend a movie i saw recently that i definitely liked now i don't know if it hit me a little bit harder because i'm going through the process of moving my house which i described earlier when i made that hilarious home improvement joke uh so <laughs> i'm gonna recommend a movie called we are still here it's a little ghost story horror movie. I think it clocks in at like 80 minutes, 85 minutes. So you know that's great. In, out, done. Uh, now, it's got some familiar faces. It's got Barbara Crampton in it, who gives a great performance. Barbara Crampton, love her. Put her in every horror movie. She's great. And it also has my boy Larry Fessenden in it. Oh, who is another, Yeah, another horror, uh, like like low budget alt horror guy. Uh, <clears throat> did you ever see, what was that? What was that fucking vampire movie? He was in like, like a long time ago. I don't remember, but, uh, so it's this great little ghost story about a couple who move into an old house in a new town, uh, after the loss of their son. And they start noticing some, uh, some strangeness that appears to be supernatural, and they assume it is their son trying to communicate with them, and uh, they take steps to kind of figure out what's going on, and it's a pretty great little... Also, uh, it's gory, but not, like, crazy over the top. It's just a fun little ghost, like, ghosty horror movie. Check it out. We are still here. Um... The movie I'm going to recommend, I remember barely anything about. What's it's, going in the blanks? It's yeah, called... It's the Mad Libs of Recommendations. It's called She Wore a Yellow Ribbon. Oh. It's one of John Ford's cavalry films. It stars John Wayne. The second, I believe, of his cavalry trilogy. I remember it as being a very, very good movie that I liked a lot. And that's about all I can remember about it. Uh, I'm recommending it. Well, the color photography is beautiful. It is. It's about a cavalry outpost. Okay. John Wayne plays a retiring, uh, I don't know what his rank is, but he's, he, he basically, he's the head commanding officer there. Uh, he's a widower, uh, and it is kind of the, uh, there's something very autumnal about it, both the passing of him out of the military orders mm-hmm. and also the passing of yeah. this kind of, way of life of this core of men. There are young men there, but the world that they're going to live in and the America they're going to live in is going to be a different, much less wild, but also in a way must let much less romantic world than the one that John mm-hmm. Wayne has been fighting for. And the politics of it, of course, are complicated now because it is very much valorizing the men whose job was just to kill the hell out of Native Americans. I'm watching Dan's face uh, as he realizes that he actually didn't like this movie. This all, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, but it's a beautiful movie, and it's actually it's got a lot of very funny parts. There are some cattle drive moments that are a little long. Uh, people who used to watch old westerns loved watching cattle move, but uh, no, I, it's actually... This that's, face is me being like, this all sounds familiar. I, th- I would call it, Dan, my third favorite John Ford movie. No, I remember it being a very great John Ford movie. And uh, the reason I can't remember anything about it is just because I realized very late in this podcast 
that I hadn't seen any movies since we last were together, and I can't remember any movies. And uh, what movie did I like in the past? She wore a yellow ribbon. That was one of them. That's very nice. That's a great so choice. What are you do yeah. about that, Dan? You got, any, you got any plans to see movies in the future? <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, why don't I recommend a movie? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, was start, I was thinking, uh, now, a movie I saw recently that I was already recommend was uh, the G.W. Pabst version of the Three Penny Opera. Okay. But I actually found myself kind of... The Dry Groschen Opera? Exactly. I found myself kind of not fully satisfied by the film. And it's a film of a show that I love. And you do see La La Lenya perform the Pirate Jenny song, my favorite song from the show. But uh, I started thinking we watched The Comedian. Is there a movie that has a scene of someone performing stand-up comedy that I actually find funny? And I could think of one. The Muppet Movie with Fozzie the Bear performing stand-up comedy. And lately, uh, it's a movie I think about a lot, mainly because it seems to be on the TV all the time because it's my son's favorite movie. But also, it's very much about friends moving to and who become a family moving to Los Angeles to make careers in the larger entertainment world. And so I've been like relating to it a lot lately and uh, finding myself very like close to tears during the moving right along number. Uh, and at, at the very end when they sing about how life's like a movie and all that stuff. And so the Muppet movie, watch it. I, at this point it's gone from a movie I enjoyed as a kid to a movie that is like, one of the fibers of my heart, and so I'll recommend that one. It's got also got Fozzie doing stand-up comedy in it. Sounds good. Three unqualified recommendations. <laughs> no, I, no, you say that as a joke, but uh, I think that that's true. No, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That's one of my it's, favorite movies, the too. The thing is, guys, every time I say stuff, it sounds like I'm being sarcastic. All right. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's called David Kalin syndrome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> DKS somewhere David somewhere David is listening to this this podcast being like hey <laughs> what did I do <laughs> yeah. yeah the first time I noticed that I had it I was in the bathroom and I looked in the mirror and I was wearing a hockey jersey <laughs> yeah he wears a lot of hockey jerseys oh jerseys of all types <laughs> <laughs> he's a real jersey boy he literally. <laughs> That's where we grew up. Mm-hmm. So Dan, and he's also a member of uh, whatever what band was that in Jersey Boys? Four Tops, the Four yeah. Somethings. Yeah, the Four Tops, <laughs> the Fleetwood Mac, <laughs> the Fleetwood Mac. This is my Fleetwood Mac jukebox, jukebox musical Tusk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is the part of the podcast where we say goodbye. Where Elliot has been anxiously looking at his watch for about half an hour, just to see how late I'm going to get home. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It checks out. Uh, we should get off the old f- podcast horn. Stretch. I don't say I'm not sure if everyone's aware of the fact that we record these shows after we're done with work. So we usually start and watch- after we watch the movie, and after we watch the movie. So by the time we finish, it's usually fairly after midnight. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you guys, but That's I need my things get a I need blue. my my booty sweep. Unless <laughs> I wake up in the morning yeah, and you I need don't your look booty sleep. <laughs> That's what makes your booty so tight. All right. Sleeping. Yeah. Anyway. No, these jokes are getting better, guys. Let's just keep it up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> For the flop house, I've been Dan McCoy. Hey, oh, I'm Stuart Wellington. And thank this is, you. Oh, sorry. This thank is Elliot, you. And, thank you. Uh, wait, you go. Thank hold on, you, you everybody. Got, and this is Elliot Kalen stepping on Stuart's lines. <laughs> Good night, everyone. <laughs> Thank you.
guys want to hold hands? Maybe we could pray a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, let's pray. Okay. Dan, turn it off. I don't Dearly beloved. My, no, I don't want anyone hearing my prayers. <laughs> We're gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Etc. <laughs> wow. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.